25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let about the I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks in The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey! Hour two of the show has begun. It has begun whether you like it or not. (laughs) Here we go. And people are starting to get in here and reacting to the coverage of the draft last night in the first round when Jeffrey Simmons was taken. And regards to how and to what length the incident from his last year of high school was brought up. The video of it played on different networks. Uh, ESPN played the video. The NFL Network did not. Um, Yep, here comes the train. We're rattling the pictures right off the wall, Roger. That little (laughs) ambient. That's right. Um, So you saw it. I mean, a lot of people watched the draft. Like I said, I was mostly listening to it. But what did you think? People are weighing in on the text line, and I'll get to some of that. If you want to do it as well, you can text the show, 885-ESPN. That's a 601 area code, 885-3776. Then on the phone line, you can call 995-1059. That is the Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. What you got, Roger? Well, you know, we were talking about, ESPN, you know, coverage being a little bit more thorough on the the incident than the NFL. But were you are you surprised when you think about it? No, uh-huh. given, given how ESPN operates with their hair on right. fire, right? I was, you know, going out of their way. You know, remember Stephen A. got in trouble because he was relating how he told his sisters not to antagonize people like that. You know, like like the, the, the in one situation where a guy was. Mm-hmm. You know, getting was beating up his girlfriend there. And, you know, he said, whatever you do, don't make it worse. And he got that got twisted around into him making it their fault. Yeah, sure. So, well, you know, Roger, and I, I, I absolutely, and, and ESPN is the flimsiest or, or have been for about seven years, eight years, whatever it is now. Like the flimsiest, paper-thin, go-whichever-way-the-wind-blows regarding social media network you'll ever find. The only ones that are worse are the political networks, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and all that crap. But ESPN really has been like the leaf out on the end of the limb, (laughs) as opposed to being the branch itself. You know, they really have been that. That's some off the wall. There is obviously internally a directive yeah. uh, to be more inclusive, you know, 
well, sure. you know, women. And, I, I mean, I turned on, on the, our station one weekend, and the topic was, was it unfair for men to coach women's teams? And, they, I mean, in every weekend, this show is two ladies mm-hmm. examining their belly button lint, you know, for uh, some kind of bias one way or the other. I mean, you know, that's transgenderism, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> People... People actually have called and said, whenever that comes on, I turn it off. Yeah. So thanks, ESPN. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and there's so much. You really do, I think, as just an everyday person, you got to step back and sometimes plug your ears and just kind of hit the reset button and understand there's so much that lacks reality in a lot of those conversations. But at the same time, some things will never change, like whether it's on video or not, it is categorically wrong. And it is, in fact, technically illegal for a man to hit a woman. Okay? It is. So that's a fact. In my opinion, it should never change. I don't think it ever will change. You know? So, to bring it up, you know it's going to be brought up for Simmons when he's taken. You know it's going to be brought up. I think what people reacted to is not at all being surprised that ESPN would bring it up, just surprised to what length they made it all about it as if it happened last week instead of five years ago, and the fact that there were – it, there was not even a, a picture of him or one single video highlight of him shown on their particular broadcast. That's what people reacted to. Now, like I say, on the NFL Network, it wasn't that way uh, during the draft. In the NFL Network, they treated him just about like every other player and then said briefly there, yeah, he had that one incident. I played it for you. This is the NFL draft pick. I'm sorry, the NFL Network draft pick of Jeffrey Simmons. With the 19th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, Mississippi State. Well, they went defensive tackle after all of our conversation about needing offensive firepower. What do you think, Daniel? Well, he's the top five player in this class. If he's healthy, if he doesn't tear his ACL. He'd have been long gone by now. This is a this is a guy that can do everything. Fletcher Cox haven't been around him with the Philadelphia Eagles. This guy's very similar to him when you study him on college tape. And, you know, the whole time they're showing highlights of playing football. That's kind of how the NFL Network handled it. It was very, very different. Again, I didn't see it. Uh, I talked to a couple people who did. And according to those, uh, it was very, very different on ESPN. It was almost like... It, it was totally queued up for if and when this guy's drafted, here's how we're going to handle it. We're not showing highlights. We're not showing his picture. We're going to show the video of the fight. Now, I think you're exactly right about that. Yeah. I mean, that was not accidental. Nothing about that. No. No, I had it queued up that way. And what I, what, what is a 17-year-old young man supposed to do when somebody's – I'm not saying he was right to do it, but, but – yeah, there's kind of a question. What would you do yeah. if you're 17 and somebody's whacking your mom in the head? You'd go crazy. Most people would. And if he had just pulled her off, he put her. He technically put his hands on her. Yeah, 
And I think you that know. was the deal is a lot of people felt like it was broken up and the person he hit was on the ground. It wasn't like she was standing up. Oh, okay. So it was you know, gratuitous. Yeah, it was gratuitous. Um, but there is something to that also. I've had that thought. I mean, it's just a fact. I wouldn't if I hitting, hitting my mom in my presence, no matter who you are. Roger, <laughs> you're going to go crazy and hurt people. I don't care who they are, and I would too. I, I would. If I see with my own eyes somebody hurt or hitting or even you know just a fight, <laughs> hurting and pulling hair of my wife or my daughter or my mother or my sister, I'm going to hurt. Caveman. I, I'm, I'm going to snap. They're going to have to come and tase me. It's just because those emotions will take you over. It's not that it's right. The right thing to do would be go cool head and break it up. But to a fault, I've never had a cool head in those kinds of situations, you know, and I, so I can, but again, it's not, it doesn't make it right to hit for a man to hit a woman. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it certainly didn't make it right. That it was on the ground. But the thing that we get to here is that, yeah, he he made a mistake and he had no previous issues and he's had no sense issues after that. And um, that's part of the reason that state accepted him. Scott Strickland, the administration, they did the research. Good student, good kid at school, didn't fight at school, didn't have previous incidences, didn't have anything after that. They felt like he was a good kid and they rolled with it. And he proved them right. And he really is. He really is a... You know, mild-mannered, uh, polite, very hard worker, really his only interest in life is football. He's not like a he's not like a go out and race cars and <laughs> or go out at, at night kind of guy. He's just you know, there's not a thing wrong with him. He just made a really poor decision and it's gonna affect the rest of his life. And people will never stop talking about it. Uh, I don't think. Well, I say never. Time heals a lot of things. Um but and and that's the other thing too. I they make the decision on how they want to cover something. You you don't blame ESPN for bringing it up. I mean, it's part of the story. Now you may question to what extent, but you knew it was going to be part of it. It will be if you're Jeffrey Simmons. You already know ahead of time. Yeah, that's probably going to be brought up. So I just got to live with it. When you make some mistakes, you make you never completely stop paying for it and. And sometimes big ways and a lot of times little ways. Divinity Equipment Phone, 995-1059. Joe in Madison. Hey, Joe. Hey, Matt. Uh, this is my take on some. I was watching NFL Network, and I thought they handled it just right. Mm-hmm. It was always going to be a story Yeah. at the draft. There's no way around that. I didn't see the ESPN thing. I would say showing the video and putting 100% of their coverage of the summons picked by the Titans on the incident was over the top. Mm-hmm. I did hear that Trey Wingo and Booger McFarlane both stated that he had done nothing but be an exemplary citizen since then, so that's a good thing. If he gets makes it to the Super Bowl in three years, it's going to be a story there. It's going to be a story from now on. Mm. It may not be fair to him, but it's it's going to be. He had a 4.0 grade point average at Mississippi State. He volunteers in the community. He's made a mistake, and he's recovered from it and grown from it. Yeah. It probably was a little over the top with ESPN. I think that's 
that's a fair statement. Mm-hmm. But it is something that he will deal with, whether right or wrong, for the rest of his life. Y'all have a good one. Thanks, Joe. Good call. I think that's right. You know, it's something you always deal with. It's kind of like those of us who, you know, you might have a past criminal record or, you know, or a past drug issue or something, you know, some felony or something. Maybe you spend time in jail, you know, and it's kind of always there. You know, your people you know, hometown, and never really forget it. But, you know, what else are you going to do? Once you own up to it, once it is what it is, what are you going to do? You really only have one choice, and that is just kind of make the best of each day in front of you and try to be better and put it, you, you know, you try not to make the same mistakes. Try to be a better person tomorrow than you are today. Do the best you can. So you can ask somebody, and when they do it, my hat's off to people like Jeffrey Simmons. You know, you you you, you deal with it on its face. You own up to everything and just do the best with the situation you have. That's all you can do, and he's done that. On the text line, unnamed texter says, it's not that they brought up the incident, it's the manner in which they did it. They acted like they were breaking to a special news report or something, totally changed the atmosphere of the broadcast. It went from loud and raucous to being quiet enough to hear a pin drop, didn't show any highlights, none of his honors. Yeah. He's been me too. Me too. Let me. Well, let me ask you. Like, and what is the effect ultimately? That's one thing I think you have to think about. Also, it's like that line, that scene from The Natural. <laughs> I have a buddy of mine that is a huge baseball fan, and he doesn't like football. And he goes, "Hey, if you notice, everything's a baseball reference. Get to third base. You know, he said everything's a baseball reference. Well, here's a baseball reference for you, Don." It's like that scene in The Natural where Roy Hobbs, the home run hitting hero of the New York Knights, he's very popular, but nobody knows his past. And this kind of slimy little sports writer in town named Max Mercy keeps thinking he's run into him before, which he has, and he goes and tries to dig up the story. And one day, Max Mercy catches Roy Hobbs at the stadium in the walkway there and says to him, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says to him, there's a lot a lot of rumors out there about you. He says, you know, there's some people out there that say you used to be a farmer. There's some people out there that say they remember you in the Pirates organization, and there's even some people out there that say that you once killed somebody. And Roy Hobbs says, well, let them believe what they want to believe. Which, you know, the writer's kind of flabbergasted. What do you mean, not control the story? Try to control what people think? So the writer couldn't believe it. And he says to Roy Hobbs, my, my paper will guarantee you $5,000 for your version of the story. And he basically says, write what you want to write, Max, and walks off. So here's the thing. As it boils down to a person's real life and your everyday activities, the things that you're doing for your responsibility in your life, what really has an effect on you the most? In that movie, The Natural, 
if this guy goes and writes and prints some of these rumors or it continues to the rumors continue to run rampant because Roy Hobbs won't give them his side of the story and take the money and tell them what happened in his past and all that. What what effect did it really have on Roy Hobbs, actually? Taking the approach, well, let them believe what they want to believe. If Jeffrey Simmons has done everything he's supposed to do, and then some, and really is, he's turned into, I mean, he's just a, he's a good person. He's just a good kid. He's got this big opportunity. And if Jeffrey, you know, to not go out of your way to control the narrative or control what somebody thinks about you and to just throw your hands up and say, hey, man, I'm just going to live my life. Let them think what they want to think. Yeah, well, people are tweeting. Okay, let them tweet. Well, yeah, but that might let it happen. Is that a crazy way to live in 2019 to just say, let them believe what they want to believe? Is that the most healthy way to live in 2019? Really? You know, I, th- I remember, you know, part of the issue, or not I say an issue, but part of the part of the angst that a lot of people had, including a lot of Ole Miss fans with Hugh Freeze when he was the head coach, was that he couldn't seem to accept that people on social media, a lot of times just, you know, everyday fans and sometimes even nameless accounts on social media, on Twitter, he couldn't seem to accept and, and really handle the idea that people were going to say all kinds of stuff about him as the head coach at Ole Miss. And he would get on Twitter and directly interact with these folks and argue with them about things they said and such, individuals, as opposed to, as the head coach of an SEC school, taking the approach of, Hey, look, we know the truth. The truth is the truth. Let them type when they want to type in there. Hit send all you want. I don't care. Now, what's right or wrong? I I tend to lean in the direction that sometimes in life, you just have to say, let them report what they want to report. Let them do it the way they want to. I'm going to do what I have to do and let it fall. Yeah, well, they're saying things about you that aren't true or it doesn't paint the, okay, fine, let them have it. Let it let it go ahead. Go ahead. See, that's so hard for people to do in this day and age. But I got to say, I really believe that, like, individually, it's so much, it's so much healthier for a person to be able to know what to internalize and understand what to externalize and just put up a wall. Somebody doesn't like me. They're saying negative things. It's not true. Okay, just let it ride. I don't give a, I don't give a crap. <laughs> What's wrong with that attitude? I, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it. All right, Divinity Phone. John, hanging on the Divinity Equipment phone line. It is 995-1059. Hey, John. Uh oh, are you you doing well? Yeah, I'm good, John. It broke up just a little there, so um, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. You know how Roger Roger's probably screwing with the board. He hit the button, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, interesting discussion. Uh, last few minutes, uh, you pulled one of my 
one of my favorite movies up and one of my favorite scenes in that movie because it's it's almost like the natural Robert Redford's character wants to just lay into him and beat the crap out of him. But then he just looks at him and says, you know, I'm not going to play your games. Right. And coming from the clergy side of 30-plus years, um, deacons especially, boy, they, they want to wield that power and they want to try to manipulate you. And, you know, the, the thing that you have to remember, at least for me, and I think it's not just in clergy life, but it's in all walks of life, is um, – you got to be true to yourself and true to who you've been called to be. And last night when that happened at the draft, what bothered me even more than the Jeffrey Simmons thing was how Todd McShay was talking about Montez Sweat and his questionable character. Hmm. And I'm, I'm talking to my wife and one of my sons, and I'm going, he was at Mississippi State for two and a half years and was at Colin for you know a year. We never heard anything about questionable character from Montez Sweat. So... You know, I, I think it goes back to that NFL. They want to direct the narrative, and they want to try to manipulate things. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist anyway. I know there was more than one gunman uh, at, at Dealey Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope your mom's doing well, praying for her. Love the show. You take it easy, my Th- friend. Thank you, John. She's doing much better. Uh, I'll be heading back over there tonight and um, – she should be going home. If everything continues in that direction, we'll get her home really soon. So I appreciate you. More on this and more from you on the phone, the Divinity Equipment phone, and on the text. Got a lot of text to get to. Here in the Farm Bureau studio, stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Hey, hey. Should Montez Sweat sue somebody for a misdiagnosis, a medical misdiagnosis that probably led to him falling from being a top 10 pick to being taken number 26 to the... Redskins. It was a traded pick, by the way. The Indianapolis Colts have traded the 26th pick to the Washington Redskins. And with the 26th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins select Montez Sweat, linebacker, Mississippi State. And goes down. Nice blitz. Montez Sweat. Defensive end. One of the excellent leaders of that defensive unit. A 2018 second team AP All-American selection. I'm happy for Montez Sweat to go off the board here. He would have been long gone if there weren't some teams that removed him from their board. Length, speed. You talk about dominating a senior bowl. That's exactly what he did. Was awesome at the combine as well. The concern at times he can play a little bit too high. Let's watch him coming off the edge here against Auburn. Win immediately with the burst. Flatten at the top of your rush and get to the quarterback. Now watch how fluid he is inside, outside. Very loose as a rusher. You're going to just see his speed. Watch him close. Get your eyes on the quarterback. Be able to locate the ball. Close the ground. 
All right, anyway, a little bit of what they said about him. So that's when Sweat was taken number 26 to the Redskins. Like, um, Washington had a pretty good first round. They got Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback, out of Ohio State. And then later in the first round got Montez Sweat, two guys who were projected to go in the top ten. The Giants passed on Haskins at number six and instead took the quarterback out of Duke, Daniel Jones. And then later they took the corner, no, yeah, corner out of Georgia. And it was like for months the Giants, their media, their fans, everybody wanted the Giants to take Dwayne Haskins at number six. And then trade back up and go get Montez Sweat, the two players they needed. And instead, their division rival, the Redskins, got them both. What do you think about the Giants drafting Daniel Jones out of Duke at number six? The second quarterback taken, Kyler Murray going first. Somebody put it this way, and, and, and I am hesitant to knock, to sound as if I'm knocking a player who goes high in the draft. I, I'm hesitant to do that. I don't want to do that. Not doing that at all. He obviously played for David Cutcliffe, who coached Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, who's highly thought of as a QB coach and offense coordinator head coach at Duke. He went through the uh, draft prep and offseason training with uh, David Morris, who's been on this show, was a guest on this show on the Divinity Equipment phone. David is with QB Country, and he trained Daniel Jones prior to the combine and all that. Yeah, I actually saw David on television, um, not on TV, but when you go to NFL.com, you click on the draft pick, you can watch what was their coverage, and you could see him shake Daniel Jones' hand there before uh, he went up on stage. But think about it this way. Is that the sixth best player in the country? And I know that sometimes you have a need, and so it's a little bit different, but still... He was drafted the sixth overall player, and the GM of the Giants about two weeks ago said in an interview that we're not looking to draft, we're not chasing positions. I think you have to go get the best football players that are available. You think Daniel Jones, a QB out of Duke, is the sixth best football player available? What do y'all think? Now, the answer is not close. Now, he may wind up being a, a good quarterback, but... Right now, the fact is, uh, what they—the fact is—they drafted a QB for positional needs and did exactly the opposite of what their GM said that they were going to do. Now it's their priority; they can do whatever they want, but that's exactly what it was. I told you I'd get to some of these texts, so let me let me start in here um, on the text line at eight eight five ESPN, and I'll get to some of the ones that I missed here. From unnamed texture, people need to remember that ESPN is owned by Disney, very political and controversial, by trying not to be con- uh, trying to be non-controversial. Uh, here's one unnamed texture that says Jeffrey's going to give the world a lot of great positive things to say about him in the near future from the football field and this story from his past. It'll be in the rearview mirror. He's a great guy and was defending his family. Congratulations, Jeffrey. Uh, Another text said, Matt, usually the guilty are the ones that can't let it go. Yeah, it does work out that way a lot. 
Here's an interesting thought from an unnamed. No, this is from Wes on the text line who says, instead of throwing shade on him, ESPN could have used the situation to show positive light on Jeffrey as a great example of how someone can make a mistake and learn to do better. Yeah, but that wouldn't nearly generate that that certainly wouldn't get everybody woke. All right, let's see. Um, here's one that says, um, Matt, I hate the way ESPN handled the Simmons story. Five years ago, and it was the only video played. Their PC thinking and thoughts are one reason no one is watching them anymore. So Fox hires a guy suspected of at least abetting a murder, Ray Lewis, and he's a role model today, but Simmons is treated like a rag. And then Three Humped Camel. I don't know how you got that name, but I like it. Uh, let me jump in here at the right one. Okay, you said, you know, not a single person gave a specific example of what character concern there was regarding sweat. That was really odd. I heard one of the guys on the NFL network coverage when sweat was drafted say that he didn't perform very well in some of the one-on-one, he didn't interview very well in some of the one-on-one meetings and on the the chalkboard stuff. Um, you know, some of the teams didn't, you know, weren't all that impressed. Yeah, you know, saw something like that. He'll be fine. They they'll wind him up on game day and he'll come off the edge and hit people. And just watch and see. Uh, and then he hate me, tweeted me back a bit ago. I'm at Radio Wyatt on Twitter and said, Matt, for the record, it's also just as illegal for a woman to hit a man. Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to hit anybody, are you? We know how that works out. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not viewed the same by the. Uh, yeah, it's not quite the uh, same by the law enforcement officers. <laughs> sure, that's right. Well, and the reason that is is because of. In many cases, but not all, but in many cases because of the physical difference. One is capable of being physically dominant over the other. In most cases, not all, uh, but in most. And therefore, you, you, you know, a little reality then gets thrown into how uh, some situations are dealt with. Um, that's just a fact. So I appreciate your, your text on that. So anyway, uh, I'm going to pretty much put a bow on wrapping up uh, wrapping up the draft. It's not the draft. It's just the first round, which happened last night. Obviously, the big stories around here are that three state players went in the first round. Metcalf and A.J. Brown from Ole Miss are still on the board, uh, looking to go in round two. The Cardinals have the first pick of round two, followed by the Colts, Raiders, 49ers, Seahawks. You start looking at and who's got what and what are the fits and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly where the fits are. I know the Texans have two second-round picks back-to-back. They're right in front of the Patriots who might could use another receiver. So it'll be interesting to see where those guys go in round two. Baseball stuff coming up next, and then I'll send you home. Stick around in the Farm Bureau studio. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
Winning a baseball game is awesome. But winning in walk-off fashion in extra innings is just a lot of fun, isn't it? (laughs) It's just a lot of fun. That's what happened last night for Ole Miss. Ole Miss baseball, they started their weekend series with Texas A&M on Thursday. And A&M was sort of kind of controlling the game through the first six, seven innings or so. All of a sudden, Ole Miss got it going late. A&M scored a run in the fourth, put two more on the board in the fifth. They're up three zip. It was three to nothing going into the bottom of the seventh when Ole Miss put its first run on the board in the bottom of the seventh. Made it three to one. How'd they get that run in the seventh? Was it a home run? I don't think it was a home run. Was it? No, they had the throw. That's what it was. There was a um there was a throwing error. And so it was an unearned run that crossed the play. But that was their first run, and it got going. They got got them going because in the eighth inning, in the bottom of the eighth, Ole Miss put two more on the board and tied the game three to three, and it stayed that way into extra innings. And they go into the eleventh inning. A and M took the lead four to three in the top of the eleventh inning. But Ole Miss got a walk-off hit from Dillard in the bottom of the 11th that scored two runs, and they walked it off and celebrated. All was well in Homeland. All right, here's what it sounded like on the radio. A few highlights from that. Come from behind, walk-off win in 11 innings last night. You're going to hear these calls from David Kellum on the radio from Learfield IMG College. Cooper Johnson, one for three. He does bunt. Bunts at third base. Side's a good one. Pitcher picks it up, throws to 30, threw it away. It's up the line. And coming home to score is Keenan. And now they're going to stop it as the tarp blocked it. Dillard scores, but he'll have to go back. And what an unlucky break for the Rebels there. Line drive into left field. Here comes Dillard, and he makes the catch, sliding toward the line, and that will end the inning. Menifee with a full count payoff pitch. Kicks, delivers. Swung on, hit up the middle as a base hit. One run scores. Here comes Kessinger. Go, boy, go. He's had a head first slide. He's safe. And Dillard walks it off with a two-run single. And the Rebels win 5-4. to four. Ball game. Win 5-4. to four. Those calls from David Kellum from Learfield IMG College. Ole Miss took game one of the series in 11 innings last night over sixth-ranked Texas A&M. Also last night in Nashville, Tennessee, Vanderbilt hosting Auburn. Vandy number five, Auburn number 25. Roger, did you know that uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores play on a baseball field with not one single solitary blade of natural grass on it? It's all fake stuff. It's like like Smith-Wills. Stadium. There's no real grass. It's all fake. Something happened, though. It was raining. You know, they're in Nashville on the night of the draft. So I'm sure that was eventful. But it was raining up there, bad weather. And Auburn's starting pitcher was having trouble with the mound. Yet they still had to keep playing and all this kind of stuff because the umpires wouldn't stop the game. And all of a sudden he got hurt. I didn't see what happened, but the starting pitcher – uh, Burns, Tanner Burns for Auburn got hurt pitching out there on a wet mound. And after he got hurt, 
Then they decided they were going to maybe stop the game. But in between, Auburn head coach Butch Thompson goes out on the mound and just lit into the umpires. You could see that he was saying they should have stopped the game. Ben McDonald caught on the game on ESPN or whatever it was, SC Network, it was televised. Ben McDonald said they should have stopped this game. They should have stopped this game. And Butch Thompson lost it, and rightfully so. His best pitcher may be hurt because they're playing out there in unsafe conditions on a turf field. At any rate, he got tossed. Vandy won the game 12-6. to Took game one of that series. So you have game two in the – A&M Ole Miss series in Oxford, 6.30 first pitch tonight. Game two of Auburn Vanderbilt tonight up in Nashville, 7 p.m. first. No, that's 8 p.m., 8 Eastern, 7 Central. And then elsewhere around the SEC, this is the series that will get started tonight. Kentucky is at Florida. LSU is visiting Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Uh, Tennessee is at Arkansas, two ranked teams. South Carolina is at Missouri. Missouri should mop the floor with South Carolina in that one. And uh, the the highest-ranked combination of teams in the SEC battling each other, so it's kind of the premier series around the league, is fourth-ranked Georgia at ninth-ranked Mississippi State. Now, the starting pitcher for Georgia, who is their ace normally in Friday nights, Emerson Hancock. He's been really, really good. He's not going to pitch. Advantage Mississippi State. Emerson Hancock had some soreness after a bullpen session, and the staff at Georgia said, well, we're going to play it safe because we need him for the stretch run, so he's not pitching in Starkville. So State will not have to face Georgia's best pitcher, and it's a big opportunity for State um, hosting uh, a top-five team. Game one tonight in Starkville, first pitch, 6.30. Ethan Small on the mound. Emerson Hancock. You know what, Roger, I had somebody say to me yesterday, is there ever more of a Georgia name than that, Emerson Hancock? That's a heck of a Georgia name right there. (laughs) Mouthful. And we said, I think what I told Brett was, um, if a name like that won't get you a membership to the Masters uh, at Augusta, I don't know what will. Emerson Hancock. All we need is a – The third. (laughs) The third – I just started to say and a middle name. We need a middle name in there. Howell. There you go. <laughs> Emerson Howell Hancock. You know, uh, that's what it was, that's what I told Brett was now all we need is Thurston Howell the third and we'll be all set. Were you a big Gilligan's Island fan growing up? Well, you you know how it was back in the old days for all these uh, kids that could just pull up on demand. You had to watch whatever was on the TV and it, it was a, a not a lot of choices, but yeah, <laughs> I guess I, I liked it by default. By default. Which, okay, are you Marianne or Ginger? Let's see now. Let me see if I get them right. I'm going to guess that you, you're Marianne type, the Ginger types. Uh, she's the beauty queen. Okay, Ginger was the redheaded beauty queen. Yeah. And Marianne was the cutie pie with the pigtails. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the funny thing came out about the show after, you know, now that we're on the topic. Uh, for the, the lady that played Ginger, I forget her name, but the, the actress, she she thought that it was a, the vehicle, the show was a vehicle for her. She didn't really get at first that this was about, you know, uh, Bob Denver, you know, Gilligan. Mm. And so some, some of that uh, 
um, you know, aloofness wasn't acting. Yeah. He was a little irritated. Right. Anyway, well, far from sports. We got off there. That's okay. No, that's fine. It's kind of about that time anyway. It's about that time. I have not watched a Gilligan's Island show in a long time. That three-hour tour lasted several years. <laughs> three-hour tour. You know, they'd always they'd get their raft together and something would go wrong. Mm-hmm. They just the cosmonauts never... landed over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong right. way. Wooten, you know, was flying over. Yeah, and there, weren't there several episodes where people did? They had a boat and they were fixing to all get on it and leave, and then every time, like the boat would just happen to float away before they could get on it somehow. Now, it seems like in and when they brought the, everybody the reunion, they did finally make it to Hawaii, right? They went back to the island. Yeah, that's yeah. They made it back at some point. Right. And there for a few years when I was a kid, they'd have these random uh, reunion shows like Return to Gilligan's Island and Return to Mayberry. You know, I remember that when I was a kid, you know, this would have been probably mid 80s. They had a special that was going to show on network television, Return to Mayberry. And it was so sad because Aunt B wasn't there. (laughs) She was like. And they had Mayberry RFD where they had the guy that was on Mama's Family. Yeah. I didn't get into that. Yeah. Didn't get, it's just never as good as a real thing. And hey, Roger, uh, you got to check it out. There's a Twitter account I follow. It's called I Love the 80s. Oh, okay. You've talked about that. And they just tweeted, um, they want you to answer their text either with a picture or a, or a GIF um, here. And the question was, what's the best TV theme song of all time? Let me let me throw out my random picks for my top five. Uh, Sanford and Son. Oh yeah, the Rockford Files, which I you know really like that one. Full House. Uh, I'm up to three. Yeah, up to three. Seinfeld, I like it. Seinfeld, and I'm gonna go Knight Rider. Okay, so there's there's some choices for me that I would definitely have to consider in my top five. Guess who wrote the theme for Sanford and Son? Who's that? A young man named Quincy Jones. Really? Quincy yeah. Jones wrote that? Yeah. That's some... why it was so good, and, and that's why it worked. That's why it worked. That guy is a national treasure. No doubt. Quincy Jones. And the name of the song, the official name of the theme is The Street Beater. <laughs> I love it. All right, Roger, have a great weekend, man. We'll talk to you on Monday. All right. For everybody else, same thing. Y'all have a great weekend. See you Monday. See you. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Well, just shoot up in here amongst us. One of us got to have some relief.